Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pretty, petty, and always sitting all ready. You may think you know my story, but there's always a plot twist. When it comes to the truth, I always arrive on time. My vocals are clean, but my reads are fulfilled. I may not remember everything, but you'll never forget me. I'm a Nigerian queen with no time for me. Just like a three-wick, I burn slow and never waver. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Those are the brand new taglines for The Real House Slice of Potomac, which debuted in what, episode three, episode four? I'm not sure which episode we're in. But normally on Bravo, the taglines debut with episode two of the season, and they just keep pushing them back more and more. Pretty soon, they're not going to debut until the reunion. Andy's going to bring them out as soon as he welcomes the gals to the reunion stage. And so I'm going to need them to start going in episode one, episode two. We can't push them back anymore. It's too much. It's too much. Now, it's hot. Halloween time. So we're going to keep this brief. I do have some thoughts on this week's Real House of Potomac. I want to talk about the taglines. And then I have an interview with Lake Bell, who's a director and actor. She's got a new audio book out, Inside Voice. It's all about voices. The conversation I had with her is so fascinating. She was also in It's Complicated, What Happens in Vegas. She's been in so many movies, so I'm sure you'd recognize her uh, if you saw her. And she's a fantastic director, too, who directed and wrote this movie called In a World, which is phenomenal. So I hope you'll stay tuned after the Potomac chat to hear my chat with Lake Bell. As always, I'll put it up on the YouTube channel as soon as I can, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. With all of that said, let's talk about these taglines. Now, first, I want to say Mia. Mia's tagline, just admitting that she's a liar. And earlier on the podcast, a couple weeks ago, I'd said, Mia is lies about everything. I mean, last week they caught her in the lie about Chris Bassett. She said, Chris was just staring me down at the spring forward or whatever that party was. And then they showed all the footage of Chris not looking at her. And Mia has been lying ever since uh, we met her. And I love the fact that now they're just referencing in the tagline, because also the producers do help them with the tagline. So I love that producers like, let's do a tagline about you lying. I mean, just imagine that conversation. I wish we had cameras on. Those of you who know the show Oprah 25, do you remember this reality show that was all about the behind the scenes of Oprah's 25th season of the Oprah Winfrey talk show? I'm not sure if you've seen this show. If not, you could find it online. For a while, it was on maybe DirecTV or something. You could find it on demand. But look it up. It's called Season 25 Behind the scenes or something like that. Season 25, Oprah. Just look that up online. And it's this fascinating series about the last season of Oprah Winfrey. So we see the producers working to book guests. We see the offices. We see the producers. It's incredible TV. It's a reality show that aired on OWN, the OWN network. So a lot of people didn't see it, especially because it aired during the one of the first seasons of the OWN network. 
Anyway, it's a phenomenal TV, and I keep wishing that we're going to get some sort of Bravo version of that because I want to see the producers sitting down with the women discussing taglines for this season. I want to see them in the recording booth. We've seen Luann in the recording booth singing Villain Giovanni or whatever she's singing in that fucking booth. And so I want to see the behind the scenes of it all. And I know that one day we're going to get the Bravo version of Oprah season 25 behind the scenes, whatever that show is called, which by the way, the name of that show on own was ridiculous. It's like, I have seen the show a couple times. I've watched that season all the way through a few times and I still don't remember the name of the actual show. Something season 25. I don't know. Anyway, I know we're going to get a Bravo version of that eventually, but I just wish it was here now. Like I'm craving it so badly. And I just wish somebody would decide Even with one of them, I have this other idea that we should do a new franchise of the Housewives. Any city, pick a city, Las Vegas, Chicago, any city. And the women who are cast in that think they're doing a normal Housewives reality show, but then it's a reality show about the making of that reality show. Does that make sense? We're getting kind of meta here, but I think that would be a brilliant new series for Bravo, and it'd be so fascinating because whoever was cast would think that they're filming a traditional Real Housewives reality show, but then the producers would be the characters. We'd still see the women. I just think there could be something so interesting about it. And to be honest, I don't feel like a lot of the new Bravo shows are working. I mean, they got the new Girlfriends in Paris. I think nobody really is watching that. I haven't heard anyone talking about that show. And some people like it. Don't hate me. I'm not watching. I tried a couple minutes of it. It wasn't for me. Anyway, it feels like nothing's really catching on in terms of the new stuff. And I think that would. It would get a lot of press. It'd be so interesting. And I think it's finally time to really break open the format of what a Bravo reality show is. Because Bravo has done these reality shows so brilliantly for so long that I just think there's something that could be incredibly compelling about the making of a Bravo show. And I need it. I need it. I mean, did you guys see that behind the scenes of the Barney? There's a Barney documentary. Remember that show Barney with the big purple dinosaur in the 90s? Peacock has a whole docu-series about it. It's two episodes. So fascinating. Go watch that. It's so good. And I feel like I'm in my behind the scenes era because now all I want is like behind the scenes of all these shows. Anyway, so I want to see the producers sitting down with Mia and saying, hey, your tagline's going to be about you being a big old liar. And so... <laughs> And then you're just going to go with it. Meanwhile, Karen's whole thing is about the three-wick candles. Okay, and I have a lot of thoughts about this, and so does Robin, because Robin had posted on Instagram something about how three-wicks actually burn really quickly, and Karen's tagline is about how it is so slow burn, and it's just so funny to me. You know, they're always trying to get some promos and plug-in for their product lines, and so our grand dame is getting some some promo for her three-wicks. And I'm loving the grand dame. I mean, she was... At that potato sack racing, which what the fuck was Robin doing at that whole event? I mean, Robin, she needed to put a little more effort in. She brought one of those plastic, she went to Party City, got one of them plastic tablecloths, put it over a table. And then the catered food, which I didn't even see nobody eating the food. I don't know if I missed it. But the food was covered the whole time. And I was like, did they even have plates? I didn't see not one napkin or silverware. I'm not saying she needed anything fancy, but you could have get the flimsy paper plates or something. Remember on Jersey when they had that backyard barbecue and all the gals were sitting and eating with the the styrofoam plates on their laps and it was just uh, that was how they served them dinner. And so on Potomac though, I don't know if I I don't know if I missed it, but I didn't feel like they ate any of that catered food. And then Robin had no clue of what the games was happening. She was that they did a three-legged race, but there were no rules. It was just like free for all. And as someone who grew up with the show Wild and Crazy Kids on Nickelodeon, you need to have some rules to follow. 
We need to get Mark Summers in there. We need to get a host, somebody to take over because Robin didn't have no, uh, no, no one knew what they were doing. And I love a field day. I love a track and field day. I love a potato sack race. I remember when I was younger, we did some potato sack race in the neighborhood. It was so much fun. Oh, I loved it. I love a limbo contest. Like I'm very basic when it comes to all of these kind of games that they played. Give me a three legged race. I love when you have to carry the egg in a spoon and not break the fucking egg. Do you know what I'm talking about? I was a student council president, so I love a leadership activity. <laughs> in college or in high school, I lettered in student council, so I literally got, you know how you could get a letterman's jacket? I got the letter for the letterman's jacket in student council. Everyone else got it for what? Football, basketball, cheerleading, whatever. I got it for student council. It just said Stuco. That's what we used to call it, Stuco for student council. And so I <laughs> loved a leadership activity. Anything to keep me from hooking up with girls that was good for me. That was what it was. It's like, I don't want to have to go out and make out with a girl. I want to do a leadership activity. So that's what I did in high school. And so when I was seeing all these things, the potato sack racing, the limbo contest, I mean, it was just giving me a joy. But I love that Karen doesn't want to be around Sharice at all. Every time Sharice comes by, Karen's like, it's like it's Michael Myers, but it's just Sharice. <laughs> that's what plays in Karen's head. And I love it. And I just need them to have a sit down. I need to know more. And I'm fascinated by all of Karen's life, despite the fact that I did not watch her spinoff. I know she did that spinoff where she went back to Surrey County or whatever. But I'm fascinated, and I want to know more about why Raven was on the Met Gala carpet, because I was unclear about that. They just showed Raven at the carpet. And I was like, what was she doing there? Anyway, I love me some Karen Huger. So I will probably not watch a spinoff with Karen Huger, but I do need her to have more scenes in Potomac. Do you get what I mean? You guys understand what I mean. Anyway, what else do we have to talk about? We got to talk about Ashley. She's got the publicist. She wanted to put out a statement. And she, the publicist was with her since the beginning. The publicist was with her when she did the Virginia Pride concert. They they showed footage from that Virginia Pride concert when she was singing Coffee and Love or whatever the fuck that song was. And what a time. I loved it. I loved it. But they're trying to figure out when to put out the statement. Now, it's all about Demon Darby, about how they're getting broken up. And this is so fascinating to me because I do believe that Ashley was the one who leaked the information to the press because later on in the episode, she was like, it doesn't look, it doesn't make Demon Darby and my Michael look good. And I was like, yeah, that's the point, Ashley. That's why you probably leaked it. I believe she leaked it and good for her. She should because that man's a monster and he deserves what's coming to him because he's cheated on her a million times. She reveals this week that they, they were doing threesomes for a while, which we knew that part. But apparently the straw that broke the demon Darby's back was the fact that he wanted to keep doing the threesomes and Ashley wasn't interested in the threesomes. Now we also meet Mia's other friend. What's her name? Jacqueline. And she broke up with this guy and are they trying to introduce her as a main cast member? Cause I'm a little confused about this, this woman, Jacqueline. I feel like they're telling us a lot about her as if she's going to be a, we get to know her husband, who's a PP previously on, or what was the, I don't know what that stood for. But anyway, it seems like they're going to be a larger presence. And what else happens? We do talk about Michael's vasectomy. He thinks Ashley's trying to get pregnant with him. I mean, what the fuck is this relationship? I mean, between the house situation, the trying to get pregnant situation, it's insanity. It's insanity. What's going on? And meanwhile, this whole conversation's happening at a family fun day. Robin's doing a three-legged race while Ashley's like, yeah, I do threesomes. And Jacqueline's like, yeah, I, I'm open to that too. I like going down on a gal. And it's like, what? 
the poor kids are there. I mean, half the kids are there. Half the kids didn't show up. Giselle's like, yeah, my girls didn't want to come. So Wendy's kids, I felt bad for Wendy's kids. And I was on Wendy's side with this one because I don't think, I understand that Robin don't like Wendy, but I don't like when any of these shows ice someone out. You have to film with each other. I don't care if you don't like each other. You have to film it. So figure it out, Robin. You invite Wendy to the group event. That's what has to happen on these shows. So I don't, I'm not interested. She said, Oh, I told Candace, Candace could bring Wendy's kids here. And it's like, come on, which what parent? I was like, why would Wendy send the kids with Candace? Meanwhile, doesn't Wendy live like an hour away from the rest of the gals? And so I just thought it was rude. And I'm not interested in the logistics of it because this is a behind the scenes thing. Robin is icing out Wendy and that doesn't work on these shows. So she has to be at the group event. I don't care if you don't like her. You figure out some weird way to get her there and you get her there. And Wendy's feeling very distant from the rest of the cast this season. I know she's doing that thing with Peter, Peter Thomas, but I'm not, I'm not liking how everyone's so distant. You can't ice each other out. You just can't do it. Anyway, the episode ends with that leaking of the of the Demon Darby announcement and Antia, who's Ashley's publicist, that was her name, right? She says, this is God's timing. And I was like thinking, oh yeah, God's really concerning herself with the leaking of Demon Darby's, the press release for Ashley and Michael's breakup. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I'm, look, I know some people are religious, but sometimes people, people place importance on what God is doing. And I'm thinking, God is busy doing other things. Okay. God is not concerning herself with the real houses of Potomac press release for Michael and Ashley's breakup. It's just not happening. I'm sorry if you're out there and you're a religious person, I don't mean to poo poo on anyone's religion. I respect everyone's right to practice what they choose as long as it's not hurting anyone. But I just don't think that God is concerned with Ashley and Michael. I think there's plenty of other things that has, (laughs) that has got busy than Antia's press release for Ashley and Michael. It's just not okay. Anyway, next week on the show, we see Robin in the prenup. We see Candace and Ashley. I thought Candace and Ashley were getting along, but now it looks like they're not getting along. Next week on the show, they do talk shit about Karen and Ray, and I'm concerned about it. Uh, and I'm concerned about Ashley, Ashley and Candace breaking up. Now they fight next week in the previews. They fight next week. I'm nervous about it. There's also a burn session. I mean, look, this show... Potomac is always good. This was a little bit of a filler week, but I still think that it was good. I enjoyed the family fun day, talking about the threesomes and the breakups and and the vasectomies. Anyway, I love you all so much for listening. That's all I want to say about Potomac. And we, I hope you all stick around for this interview with Lake Bell. She's phenomenal. I hope you're all having a wonderful Halloween. Happy Halloween. We'll be back later this week with The Real House of Salt Lake City. I also have some great interviews coming up. I know that a lot of you have been asking for housewife interviews, and I haven't done a lot in a while, but I do have some housewife interviews coming up for you all, and there are going to be some good ones. So stay tuned to Everything Iconic. Be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you're still in the Halloween spirit, I encourage you all to go listen to my Hocus Pocus 2 interview uh, with the writer, as well as the Hocus Pocus 2 recap I did with my co-host, Jenna Brister, on my other podcast, which is called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, where my co-host and I recap holiday movies, and we're going to be diving into all the Christmas stuff. So subscribe to that podcast. We have some great episodes coming up in November and December. We're going to be covering the Santa Claus movies. We are going to be covering the holiday. So that podcast is called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. Subscribe to that separately on the podcast feed. But there's a Halloween episode. There's also a few Halloween episodes from years past you can listen to on that podcast feed. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And also pick up Lake Bell's audiobook. It's not a hardcover book. 
It's just an audiobook all about the voice and how we use our voice. It's really fascinating stuff. So stay tuned. Love you all. We'll be right back after these messages. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic shopify s-h-o-p-i-f-y dot com slash everything iconic this show is sponsored by better help and we all carry around different stressors both big and small sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because i cannot stop thinking about them when i'm trying to sleep or when i'm trying to go about my day i keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively now therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff and if you've never benefited from therapy i think it's time you explore i think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist it's so incredibly helpful get those coping skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. I'm wearing an It's Complicated shirt. I love it. And now I've noticed it. And here we are. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I'm so excited. We have a favorite of mine for years now, Lake Bell. She has a new audiobook out called Inside Voice, My Obsession with How We Sound. It's from Pushkin Industries. She's directed movies like In a World. She starred in one of my all-time favorite movies, It's Complicated, as well as Home Again, which I can't wait to ask you about. Lake <laughs> Bell. Lake, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me and and opening your ears and your hearts. I'm excited to talk to you. And oddly enough, it felt apropos because earlier today, I went on my Instagram account and I got this message from someone, a DM saying something about my own voice. And this whole audiobook that you have done, I haven't gotten a chance to finish it quite yet, but it's it's very extensive. And you've been someone who's been invested in voiceover work and and the industry behind it. And it's very fascinating to me, but I got this message from someone who obviously had responded to the wrong thing. They thought they were responding to a friend, but they were responding directly to me. And it said something about my voice where it said something like, he doesn't, he sounds so much gayer than he looks. 
And it's not something I haven't heard before because as a gay man, I grew up, I would answer the phone and someone would say, think I was my mother, Linda, you know, that was, it's a consciousness that we deal with as gay men, but it fascinated me. And so I guess my first question is, when did you start getting fascinated by this? And do you have any thoughts about what I just said? Okay. So first let's just jump right in. Um, I, you know, obviously I have, I am, I have a lifelong obsession. I say obviously because I've written and directed and star and produced a movie called In a World, which is in and around the subject of voice. And not only from just sort of a kind of metaphysical point of view and like levels and sounds and accents and dialect. Sure, that's fun. But then additionally, you know, the, the film actually is kind of like a feminist manifesto as a Trojan horse in a way. But really, this book is an extension of that obsession and work. And it's the exact thing you just kind of brought up, which is there is this uh, really interesting and kind of cultural, social um, uh, veil on the sounds that we emit on an everyday basis in the form of communication, whether it's, you know, in our work voice or our, you know, sexy voice or our voice that we show up to at a family dinner. And do we do we code shift? Do we style shift? Which I have been corrected in my research. It's actually code shifting is really more in tune with um, language versus um, dialectical differences. So for instance, you, we actually, I have a whole chapter about the quote unquote gay voice. And does that um, is that real? You know, like, what is that? Let's talk about that. What about those S's and that siblings? And we come at it. I, I mean, I like to come at it from really a, um, a curiosity and also a place for safe conversation because ultimately, you know, our voice is something that we feel like kind of comes off a truck. You know, it's like, well, it fell off the truck this way, but in actuality, it's a roadmap of, Gosh, our whole lives, you know, whether you you smoked a lot in your teens and then quit and then started up again, does it add to the quality of your voice? Does, you know, do I show up right now and do I lower uh, lower an octave in order for you to take me seriously? You know, am I when you go home and you go home for Thanksgiving, do you speak in the same way? as you do with all of your girlfriends or guy friends, you know, when you're out at the club or something, right? Do you feel more natural? Do you feel safer to kind of lean into uh, a sound, you know? And, and so I think, um, you know, I just, I relish in that. I mean, there was a poet that I spoke to called Sam Sachs, who has this beautiful poem called Lisp, and he is a proud gay man. And he was, it was almost pathologized as a child for him, you know, to get rid of, as it were, mm-hmm. that that lisp. And then, of course, he has embraced it. And it is a big part of his, not only his identity, but really the shape of his words and how he expresses himself. And that is a beautiful thing. And I highly recommend reading that poem, Lisp, but you'll hear it in the book as well. And he narr- he he uh, reads it himself with such beauty. And then we sort of talk about it. So it's really... Um, you know, I, I hear you. And, yeah. and I think it, there's a sense of profiling that happens, mm-hmm. you know, like if you, you know, if you're from the deep South, you know, we talk about that and, and you sort of, you call up for a, for an interview or you're ordering a pizza for Christ's sake, anything, mm-hmm. you know, where 
you know, you, you, you come up and you talk like that, you know, whatever it is. And someone's going to have, you know, a cloak of opinions. Yes. Uh, whether you like it or not. And And, what about me? Do I sound like a square? I don't know. You know, it can, it can continue. It was fascinating to the way I internalized it because I feel like I'm comfortable with my voice now. I've been doing this podcast for years and I edit it myself. So I hear myself. And at the beginning, I hated it, but now I sort of like it. But I noticed I got this DM and instantly I felt that teenage self coming through and it was fascinating. And it's so interesting what you said just now about lowering the voice for confidence. Cause I also just saw Sherry Shepard. I love Sherry Shepard. She's great. But she had said the advice Barbara Walters gave her was that when she's in meetings, she should lower her voice a couple octaves so that it exudes confidence. And she was saying it. And I was like, I don't know if that's really a good thing. Well, you know what? I think that in, you know, in the audiobook Inside Voice, um, available wherever audiobooks are sold. Um, I really enjoyed this being kind of this postgrad student, you know, and, and like getting a, a real college level course in 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 this subject of why do we why as women especially um lower our voices to be quote taken seriously right or to feel more uh intellectual as it were um is it it sounds more male like and so it then kind of reverts back to kind of a gendered conversation and then you're like well wait a minute what are we doing? You know, right. like, can a woman just sound like a woman? Right. And don't some women just sound deeper voice than others, you know? And I would argue that, um, you know, it is, it does revert back to the listener a little bit. Like what's up with society at large that we can't just have a woman who speaks a bit higher. And maybe my natural, my natural tone is probably a bit higher. It's probably, this is more my natural uh, pitch level, but I find myself feeling a little more comfortable in this lower range when I'm thinking. It helps me think. It helps me like crystallize thoughts in a more authentic way for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, like don't judge yourself if that's how you want to be, you know? And with my children, perhaps my tone is different. You know, by the way, during a day, my my tone with my children can change. You know, it can go from like- (laughs) How old are your kids? (laughs) They're five and seven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. She just turned eight. She would be so mortified. How I dare you? Seven. I am sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, you know, I wield my vo- vocal tool quite a lot in my life and I notice it in others. And I think you have a beautiful voice. Thank you. And, you know, I, I think that we all imbue a lot of self-loathing when it comes to our sound, like, oh, please don't play that VM back, you know, right. or it goes like back oh. to that voicemail. And nowadays I feel like we don't have. I guess we record a voicemail for our cell phones, but I remember answering machines. You would hear, you would listen to it over and over again when you would record your outgoing. And I, I remember my mom doing it and doing it over and over again. And I would say, mom, you don't sound like that. Why are you putting on this voice for an answering machine? So where are you from originally? Cause you say mom ah, versus oh, mom. Okay. Cleveland, okay. So yeah. that's interesting. Ohio kind of Midwest. You've got those vowels there. I feel like a hard A, like cat. Nah. Cat. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause of course I Midwest. say mom and cat, you know, so it's like further back, but it's really interesting. It's like, again, I get to know a little bit about where you're from based off just your bowels, you know, yeah. it's like, there's your roadmap. And I'm so fascinated by the sexuality of it all. I had recently Colton Haynes, who's an actor on my, sh- uh, on uh, different shows. And he was saying that he had management 
recommend him dialect coaches because he's a gay man and he learned to lower his voice. And I guess it's so fucked up that that happens, but it's so interesting to me. And it well, seems like it doesn't happen as much anymore. I think that there is an, there is an affect and, uh, in, and I find like, I find the affectation that we're talking about, which is kind of like a sibilant S if we're just clinical about it for a second, right. that, that is, you know, by the way, it, it exists in other languages too, which is sort of terrific. <laughs> and I'm kind of like impressed by the S. I'm like, wow, you, you're just, you know, how great that you're broadcasting an entire, you're saying, hi, I, this is my sexual preference based off just the S mm. sound. And I'm like, cool. You're telling me what community you want to be a part of, you know? And I find that. Oh, that's interesting. The, yeah. yeah. Like the gay men that I spoke to said, gosh, you know, in high school, I didn't have it. And then I went to college and felt really confident in my sexuality and was able to sort of luxuriate in my S's and enjoy a more, you know, a, a sound that sounded like the peers I wanted to play with, you know? Mm. And I said, oh, gosh, I like that, you know, because we also um, we don't have to look at it as a negative thing. You know, it's yeah. it's it's a privilege to feel That's confident enough to do that. And really, in the book, I try to lean into that because I it can only live as an audiobook. It's a kaleidoscope of sounds. Um, and, you know, we we get to enjoy and I know you love a spot of pop culture and we get to enjoy and relish in the sexy baby sound, which is, of okay, course, wait. Yes. Yes. Let's. Okay. I have, do you have you seen this thing on the internet with Taylor Swift? You're involved in a little bit of a controversy, like Belle, because okay. Taylor Swift recently sexy came baby. out with "Sexy Baby." There's a lyric in her new single, "Antihero," where she says, uh, "Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby, and I'm a monster on the hill." And some people are attributing that to there's a 30 rock scene where there's a sexy baby thing. Uh, and then also in your movie in a world and in the press for that movie, also you've talked about the sexy baby voice. So talk to me about. That. Well, yeah, the, I mean, sexy baby, uh, the sexy baby sound is something that came from really from, from in a world just so she, I don't know if she's referring to the sound and the kind of cultural uh attitude that goes with that sound um because it's it's a vocal affectation which is an amalgamation of uh pitch and affectation and um uh sort of flourish really so it's like and again i'm not like a professional i'm just like a mad enthusiast (laughs) so um like i collect this shit you know so so the, the sexy baby is pitch. So that's high, right? So already this is just pitch and then up talk and fry. So it's like you're up talking and you're also frying. And so it's just like this place, like right in the middle. You don't even have to use the word like or anything like that, but it's, um, you know, it's all that stuff. And it's the, it's the cocktail of all those things really that I would, from my humble point of view, would call, um, as, as a genuine, passionate, uh, vocal obsessor. Um, I would call that the sexy baby voice. And that is what I, I, um, coined for my film in a world, which was, so, yeah. <laughs> were you flattered then when you heard this lyric that? Well, I, I'll be completely honest with you. My assistant Lucy came in before this and said, "I just want to let I just want to flag this for you <laughs> that um, there is a lyric in 
the Taylor Swift uh, new song that says sexy baby. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's cool. And she was like, I just, I just, just in case, you know, I mean, she is like a mega star and it just might get to be (laughs) into a cultural conversation. I was like, look, it is what it is. My daughter loves Taylor Swift. I couldn't be more flattered. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If that's where, if that's maybe it's like, you know, finally hit, uh, um, I know I've seen it in, in articles too, where I've been referenced a lot, you know, in kind of the vocal fry, the phenomenon, because I used to be, you know, have a real bone to pick with it. It's a feminist discussion. And in the book, Malcolm Gladwell and I get into a very serious conversation about the sexy baby sound. And, um, you know, it's, it's something it's a, for me, I always looked at it as like a trend, you know, that kind of got out of hand and started to uh, infect uh, you know, uh, a generation of women where I was like, well, those women then became 40 year old women. I'm like, why are they still sounding like that? You know, it's like, so, so, you know, I, at first when I was writing the book, uh, Malcolm said, why are you skirting around the fact that you have some judgment that you have to kind of work through and, yeah. and that you're, you got to be raw and honest about it. And I was like, God damn it. Uh, cause I was like, Hey, to each to their own. And then he was like, look, it's okay. It's part of the conversation. And Let's frankly, it's in. what's, what's most interesting about it. And so he interviews me and really kind of skewers me on it. So it's fun. Like, I love anyone who's, I love that you're so passionate about voices. I love anyone who's gets super passionate about something. And so it's just re- refreshing to hear you talk about it because I think oftentimes people try to bury those interests down if they're a little left of center. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. I always love when somebody's like just super into a topic. So I want to say thank you. The second <laughs> thing I want to say is I'm a big reality TV watcher. And in terms of the sexy baby thing, I was watching a show called Winter House on Bravo. And I noticed it's happening with a couple on there. It was a, a man and a woman and they get into the sexy voice when they're together, they're newly dating. And it's like, a they're both doing this baby voice thing. And Craig and Paige is for listeners is who I'm talking about. Sometimes they get together and there's like a camera on them and they don't know the cameras on them and they're kind of flirting with each other, but in these baby voices. And what do you make of couples doing it together? Or do, have you learned anything about why that happens or what do you think of that? Well, it's really interesting in the movie. I'm sorry. In the audiobook, I talked to Emily Morse, Dr. Emily Morse, you know, that, that podcast sex with Emily. Um, uh, cause I wanted to talk about the sexuality and the kind of like attraction reaction, uh, linked to the sexy baby voice, which is like, is that, cause you know, I ask a lot of people on the street too. I'm like, what, what sound do you think is sexy when you think of a woman's sexy voice? Like, who is it to you? And, you know, it would be like Kim Kardashian to Jennifer Aniston. You know, I mean, it would be a multitude of different, um, sounds that, you know, just speaking voice. Um, and I was like, okay, so that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, Kim Kardashian is sexy, you know, she's sexy and she has fry, you know, I mean, she's got a classic, um, kind of the quintessential, uh, vocal fry. And when I think of couples doing it, that's unusual because usually it is something, a, 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 a female or someone who identifies as female takes on. It's a, it's usually that kind of a, a quality. Um, so seeing, <laughs> seeing, um, a, a couple do it would be kind of extraordinarily entertaining. It's <laughs> so, fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I talked to Emily and Morris about it and I was like, do people are, cause she actually has a bit of fry in her voice too. She has an, an amazing voice. Um, 
And she has a little bit of that too. And she's very sexy. And so I'm like, gosh, is that interesting? There's something croaky about it. And croak means tired. And then tired means I've been all up all night fucking. Maybe. I don't know. Right. You know, it's like right. here are the this is the think tank on it. Um, so it's like it's bedroom voice. Like, even if you think about, you know, people who have un- had the unfortunate crime uh against them with stolen property in a sex tape right Mm -hmm. so a lot of those people like when you think of the sex tape voice um unfortunately you know the that those crime those crime events um do expose people's bedroom voice and Mm -hmm. that voice has croak has sexual feminine gender role kind of blitz right Cause they're like showing up for, you know, sex time or whatever. And even in, in porn and things like that, it's like, there's a lot of gendered mm-hmm. expression, which is like kind of fucked up. And then also, cause we're all evolving. We're like, I don't know if we want to all be gendered in the bedroom. Like, why mm-hmm. can't we fuck around with our feminine and our masculine, you know, and still be turned on? So it's interesting from a sexual, you know, preference point of view too. Yeah. It's so fascinating. I want to talk about some of the people that are involved in this project. I think one of the people is Drew Barrymore. I just interviewed her last week and she has such a memorable voice. Who Talk to me about memorable voices and who's involved in this project. Yes. So, so yeah, the, the, the book is filled with all kinds of iconic voices. It was really important to me to, you know, pepper through, you know, the audiobook experience with voices that we really know. And why are they so iconic? Like Jeff Goldblum, um, who, gosh, he's just a roller coaster of sounds uh, through every sentence. And then, yes, Drew Barrymore, who, you know, you can even see the shape of her face when you hear her voice. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about it, how she does speak from one side of her mouth, which then rolls into the sound a bit. It affects it. And you know, she was really open and honest and generous with kind of dissecting it with us. And then, um, yeah, Kunal, uh, Nair, um, who, you know, again, you know, on uh, Big Bang Theory, everyone thought, oh, is that really his accent? But it is. And then that his is born accent and, uh, and his sort of relationship with it and, and style shifting and code shifting. I mean, even, you know, Pam Greer is on, is in the book and she's sort of very honest about her loss of voice after trauma. There's Susie Yesman, um, you know, who, what the fuck, Jerry, you oh, know, like I love she, her voice. the best, yeah. right? So she's terrific in it and I adore her voice, um, so much. And Tracy Ullman, who is just like a wonderful shapeshifter in the vocal, uh, arena. So it's, it's really, it's quite special um, and and truly bouncy and fun and wild and silly. And there's a bit of how-to in there. And sure, we get serious and we talk about the things that you're kind of, you're like, gosh, is this a feminist issue? Is this like a, a race issue? You know, we get into all of it. And um, I say we, but I mean me. Yeah. <laughs> but it is the collection of of contributors as well. This might be too broad of a question. Maybe we'll, in terms of the animated world, you also do a lot of animated voiceover work, Carly Quinn and all sorts of stuff. Oh yeah. That's the bread and butter for me. <laughs> Tell me who yeah. do you, what, what animated vocal performances do you think are some of the best or the most memorable throughout time? Is that too broad? 
No, it's not too broad because one of my contributors in the book is Eric Bauza. And he is Daffy Duck. Was he Daffy? He does all of them. Yeah, he yeah, did, yeah. yeah, he does like Daffy Duck. He does like Marvin the Martian. I mean, he can do anything. And in the book, it's he he has, you know, it's, sometimes it's like a wild animal. If you let him loose, all of a sudden he's just like, what's up? That? I mean, you know, he's like doing all <laughs> at the same time. And he does all the Looney Tunes and um a multitude of other characters. So I would say he's quite expert when it comes to uh, vocal dexterity. And he really, I mean, he could do Bart Simpson in, in a harpy, you know, he'll, he started, he tells the story about, I was like, how does this all fucking start? And he said that he would do announcements at his high school, you know, and it would be like, uh, you know, he'd have the mic to the whole just play around. School. Yeah. And so he would just start and it made the announcements far better. If like, you know, Marge Simpson is doing it or, you know, Daffy or whatever. Yeah, have, you started doing it like that. I have such a respect for animated voiceover actors, and I get disappointed sometimes when they do movies. It, it was just announced the Super Mario Brothers movie, and Chris Pratt there, took a lot of heat because he's voicing Mario. And I sometimes feel like there's such a wealth of really talented voiceover artists in the animated world that don't always get the opportunity to shine when these projects go to bigger screen. And not to say that I, I don't think we've even really heard Chris as Mario. I, you I'm know, not happy. I, like <laughs> you're listen, you are livid. Um, I just think I'm also Italian. So I have a bone to pick. I mean, anyone uh, Italian would have been better. Let's get Joy Behar in there. She could have gotten in the booth. <laughs> certo, certo. Well, I would say this. I think that, you know, voiceover artistry is definitely a rarefied, specific uh, set of tools that an actor has. And I have great respect for the voiceover artist. I, you know, in the film, in a world, you know, I have a great homage to Don LaFontaine, who is the original guy who's who coined, actually, he wrote it and also performed in a world. And he... Wow. I mean, voice of God, this guy. And he passed away, but he was absolutely legendary. And I still adore him and all the voiceover greats that I now am part of the, you know, I'm part of the community. And I mean, I made a, I made a film about them. So now I have, yeah, you're there. Like I'm in there. And, um, they definitely, you know, will put Don LaFontaine on, on a high pedestal. I worked with, when I lived in Cleveland, actually, I worked with this guy, L, who was the voice of You've Got Mail back in the day. He was the, you've got mail. Wow. He was a camera guy in Cleveland. <gasps> and he just sort of got this gig. And I remember him telling me, and I, I I hope I'm getting this right, but he didn't get paid much for the You've Got Mail. But then when they did the You've Got Pictures and they did a couple other ones, that's when he really got a paycheck. But it, he just sort of accidentally you've got this got gig. Mail. Yeah, you've it became got mail. this thing that everybody knew. And of course, they made this movie and- it's my all-time favorite movie. Like you've got mail, but he, Obviously. yeah, I sort of fell into this and became this most memorable thing. And he, that wasn't his main gig or anything. He just sort of fell into this thing. I know, and I think that's amazing. I mean, people who just fall into it. Sometimes people, you know, it's like you're on the subway and you're like, that guy has Great the voice. voice of a generation. Yeah, or like you know, you're waiting online at the doctor's office and there's some woman who's just like. Hey, come on in. You know, and you're just like, wow, are you Lauren Bacall? You know, uh, I keep wanting someone to just hire me to play like some gay pelican or something, or I just, I'm in a cartoon. Aww. I just come in. I'm like, Hey girl. And then I, you float out of the way, you know, that's, Oh, my, that's it. That's, oh, God, I that's mean, I quick... would like more than that, but why don't you write it? I'm why don't you write that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like the gay <laughs> pelican. I love that. I would watch I, that in a heartbeat. I never, yeah. I've never written a pelican. 
Pelican thing, but wait. Okay. So I, I mentioned you've got mail and you're in one of my favorite movies. It's complicated written, directed by Nancy Myers. Who's on my shirt right now. You were also in her daughter's movie home again. Tell me something. I'm trying to think of like a good question for one of these because I love them so much. I suppose. Well, wait, do you have something? I mean, I can give you an anecdote, which is yeah, fun. Please. I think if you love Nancy Myers. So when I um, got cast in, it's complicated. I mean, I was kind of, I'm small potatoes compared to the heavy hitters that are in the movie. And my character, Agnes, is very high status, you know, in terms of kind of characterization, right? And so she's like the new wife. She's the one who should have confidence. Of course, I'm on the arm of Alec Baldwin, and I'm the new wife to the ex-wife, Meryl Streep. And she's with Steve Martin. So when the first scene that we had to shoot was that last scene that I have where we're, she's high they're on marijuana. Yeah. And Steve Martin's in that one too. So it's, yeah. yeah, they're both high and having a grand old time. And I'm supposed to be miss like, uh, go have a cry about it kind of like vibes. And I'm, I don't, I'm a, I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, I can't even pinch myself. I'm so excited. And it's the first time I'm on set with Meryl. Of course, I got my shit together. But the point is, initially, boy, was I Dork City USA. And so I do. <laughs> she's like, hey, let's do a words rehearsal. Let's just like here, get it up on its feet and like see how it goes. And so we start riffing and I can't get my act together. I, I'm like very professional. Obviously, you could tell. I mean, you hear the deepness in my voice. I'm a very professional actor. I always know my words. But I literally was just watching Meryl and watching her work up close, like close to my nose. And um, Nancy pulled me aside and she was like, like, and I was like, yeah. yeah." And she was like, you need to get your shit together. And I was like, I I, I mean, I, I, she was like, you need to get it together. And I was like, she was really sweet, but she was like, yeah, you're not, I hired you and pull it together and do the acting that I hired you to do. Oh and I was like, God. yes, uh-huh, aye, aye, captain, coming sure. in hot. And then, you know. I mean, how cool is it, though? To me, Nancy Meyers movies are the most rewatchable. I think, I don't know, nowadays everything is superhero-oriented, and I know people, those fan bases like to watch those movies over and over again. But with something like It's Complicated or Something's Gotta Give or The Intern or all these movies – they're so rewatchable and so yeah. good and they li- they'll live on forever. I mean, it's complicated. We'll be forever. I know. I think romantic comedies really do have that, that market, right? That kind of like, Oh, I don't feel what I just want to like cozy up and watch, you know, and then it's like insert awesome romantic comedy with a great story structure here, you know? And I mean, even man up was another romantic comedy. And then Nestor's attached. I mean, all these movies I have still as if they just came out, you know, people reaching out and being like, Oh my God, I loved you. And, you know, I mean, even what happens in Vegas, yeah. um, it, to this day, I, I'm going to, I'm at like, you know, TSA going through the <laughs> checkpoint and someone will be like, you know why, you know why. And I'm like, you know, they're like, can you do it? And I'm like, you know why, you know, and everyone's like, ah, you know, and it's still there. 
Yeah. And it's and just funny that the like, I hope you take this in the spirit it's given, but you always had the role that I watched and I like, it was you and Catherine Hahn. Like those were the roles I'm watching. Like those, that's the fun role. You get to be, you get to have the fun lines and be oh my weird God. and wacky. And that's always, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I've always loved it. It's the brunette. It's the brunette role. Brunette. Yeah. And it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like the Judy Greer, Bonnie Hunt, mm-hmm. you also, you're drinking Waterloo and I, just have to say Waterloo is so much better than LaCroix. And I've said that a million times on the show, but people need to know it's a thousand times better. Uh, and Home Again too. You were in Home Again, which is Nancy's daughter, Hallie's movie. And I think Home Again is very underrated. It was sort of a came and went and, but people, people like myself love it. I think, you know, it was interesting. Um, the thing for me in Home Again was Nancy called me and she was like, Hey, can you come and like play a bitch again? <laughs> it's like, you are the only person in all of Hollywood that sees me this way. <laughs> I was like, I'm like usually thought of as like menchy kind of goofball. And you see me as sexy and <laughs> like, like dangerous. And I love it. Cause yeah. who do you think I am? Cause she was like, no, you are so sexy and dangerous. You know, <laughs> just like, I love, I love it. Cause like, you know, everyone else is like, I'm kind of like, you know, bumbling and, you know, whatever. I have a fantasy of going to Nancy Meyers dinner party. Like that's the dream. Let me tell you, her house is remarkable. You would I lose imagine. it. It's just, there's so much, there's sumptuous fabrics everywhere. I've tried to get her on this show. She follows me on Instagram and I'm so scared that she's going to unfollow me at some point, but. I love her. And I know she's doing a new Netflix movie. So I'm excited that she's working again because the world needs her and Hallie. I know. Yeah, I know. And I also feel like she should probably call me to play a bitch because it's been yeah. a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I know I have to let you go. What's next for you? You're, you directed in a world, which was so good. I encourage everyone to go check it out. You also directed a couple episodes of Pam and Tommy, which I thought well, was fantastic. I also directed I Do Until I Don't, which is a romantic qua sort of dramedy about um, marriage. And that's also on Hulu. So you have two features on Hulu. And then yes, I, by the way, also Hulu, Pam and Tommy. A lot of Hulu. I I loved Pam and Tommy. Were you guys disappointed? Because Pam sort of like came out and said some, you know, she wasn't happy with it, right? Listen, I took every ounce of my creative juices uh, on that with such love and care and thoughtful energy into that, you know, into the directing of every scene. And Lily and I both were aligned in. She was so good. She was incredible, but also, you know, there is this sense of, you know, does it bum me out? Of course it's, it was disappointing and heartbreaking to think that, that from the outside point of view that we would ever try to further exploit. It was, if you see the show, you understand that it is a a crime story and that it takes these incredible people who were so often toyed with as cartoon characters and humanizes them as people who were wronged. Mm-hmm. And thus, especially in the episodes that I took on, this was a human experience of a woman who was exploited and taken advantage of in the most intimate way. And as a person who has had public uh, or had private images stolen from my own iCloud, nude images and and both just plastered on the internet, I I understand the, the vulnerability and the feeling and it pisses me off and it makes me 
furious and violated. And so you, you know, I felt like I had a bone to pick. So when I was asked to do it, I was like, yeah, as long as I can make it again, um, I can take my episodes and make sure that it is uh, very, it is a deeply feminist point of view when it comes to like, no one is protecting me in this situation. I am the victim here, not like feel sorry for me, but just fucking know it. Understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Make no mistake. It's different for the men. Yeah. Like what a pleasure. So you're directing something new. Are you directing something new? So right now I'm acting in two projects that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. (laughs) So I have two acting projects that are going to be coming down the pike. And I have uh, directing projects that also are coming down the pike that I cannot wait to share with you one day. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I'm really such a huge fan. So I just want to thank you for taking the time. I have two more quick questions that I ask all of my guests before I let you go. Uh, The first is your favorite Mariah Carey song. And also, if you were choosing for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? Oh, my God. These are just... uh, It's a lot. Hang on. You've done... Oh, my God. Because there is one song. I have one Mariah Carey song that popped in. But the, there's one that I love the most. So hang on a second. Okay, I sure. just stay right here. Stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Because there's uh-huh. one I really, really, I'm like very serious. I'm just thrilled you're not going to say the Christmas song. Because a lot of my guests yeah. say the Christmas song. Yeah, I'm not into Christmas carols. Um, uh, that's a wrap on us. Because I also like Christmas carols. But It's fine. It's fine. We can have differences. <laughs> Honey, this is part of, like, you don't want friends that are all right. the same. It's it's the version of fantasy where there's With like. ODB? He, yeah. With ODB. A classic. Uh, I mean, come on, it takes you right back to the 90s. I just can't even handle that. It's so good. Oh my God. It's so good. 
York in the house. That video is so good. Yeah. Sexiest man alive. I would say Lee Pace. Yeah, six five Lee Pace. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's tall. Or and then the other guy. I think they're both. <laughs> it's funny. Wait. Okay, Lee Pace or um. Wait, who is to you the sexiest male voice? The sexiest male voice. Yeah, like who um, do you hear and you're like, wow, that person's gonna. I'm trying to think of who I would think that is, but I can't. Oh my god! You know what? You're turning the tables on me. I don't even know. It has to be real deep. Yeah. It's going to have to be a real deep voice for me. Because, of course, I'm already deep. So <laughs> it's someone even deeper. But wait. So wait. There's another gentleman. Oh, Pedro Pascal. Is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super sexy. Yeah. Super, Super sexy. sexy. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, those two gentlemen, because uh, I think they appeal to everyone. I just saw the ticket to paradise yesterday with Jules and George Clooney. And okay. um, every male in that was sexy. So I just want to encourage everyone to see it. That's all. Oh, Wow. George, especially too. George, I'm like, how is he aging like that? He's just, I know, it's disgusting. He has a beautiful voice. He has a beautiful voice. It's kind of rascally. And Julia Roberts's laugh. Talk about (laughs) instant, instant serotonin when you hear that laugh. Oh, I love her. I love her. Like, what a pleasure! Everyone's going to check out your audiobook. It's called Inside Voice: My Obsession with How We Sound. It's from Pushkin Industries. Check it out. It's so good. Watch In a World. Watch all your stuff on Hulu. You're the best. I love you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. Bye. 